Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Just before we get into this week's episode, I want to just say a quick word for our sponsors, the guys over at Rob Mack. We've been working with these guys for a few months now and they're huge rugby fans and they are following the Lions game by game just like every one of you. They are independent financial advisors specializing in mortgage management, financial planning and investments. So if you need any of those services, you can check them out at robmack.co.uk. Thanks a lot to the guys at Rob Mack. Here is this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. I was looking it up today and we've been away for around about a month, so it's an absolute treat to be back. The Lions are on tour and for the first time in a long while, there is some Scottish interest in the summer tour. As ever, it is David, Alan and Matt here to chew over everything that's been going on in Scottish rugby over the last wee while. Matt, how are you doing, bud? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. Um... Watching the Lions at the weekend, had the, the honour of babysitting Alan's wee kid and it all went went quite smoothly. So I think pretty pretty pleased with myself really. And Alan, is um your review of Matt's babysitting style um as positive as Matt's um write up? Uh yeah, it is. If anything, myself and Ashley were actually quite sour that Freya wasn't more upset about us not being there for about twelve <laughs> hours. It seemed to like not really give much of a shit. So I know. That does seem a little bit unfair. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I got, got her on the red stripe watching the Lions. You know, she was she was happy. Yeah, just like her old man, eh? <laughs> <laughs> More of a tisky guy myself. Yeah, that sort of like lo- fairly low quality lager I ever can. That's your. That is really your brand, isn't it? Al? Yeah, no, none of this small can. I want a big four forty yeah. can or five hundred <laughs> can. None of this brew dog crap. <laughs> Well, Brewdog once the darling. They've now fallen fallen foul, so um, we can call them Brewdog crap. Um, 
Right. What are we going to cover off today? Obviously, the Lions is going on. There's been a hell of a lot of news, most of it bad in Scottish rugby. So buckle in for that. But just before we get into it, a quick reminder of um, where you can find us. That's on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. Um, on Instagram, Thistle underscore uh, rugby underscore pod. Um, send us an email, thistle rugby at gmail.com and download our newsletter or subscribe to it even um, on Substat, the Thistle um, Scottish Rugby Podcast. We're going to have another exclusive extract from uh, This Is Your Everest coming up uh, next week. So an absolutely great reason to get on there and download. You can also give us a review on iTunes. We've not had one for a wee while and uh, Matt was feeling a little bit sad about it. So get on there. Give us your five stars and tell us what you think about the show. Um, as well as massaging Matt's ego, it does help others find the podcast and spread the um, Scottish rugby um, gospel. So um, that is the parish notices section of the newsletter done. Alan, I'll come to you first. How are you enjoying seeing some Scottish lads lining up for the Lions? I mean, if we sort of put to put aside sort of the quality of opposition and sort of matches in general, I mean, absolutely delightful, especially for somebody sort of Hamish Watson. Just looks so good with his uh, with his mullet and and also playing absolutely amazingly, both against um, the Lions and then with his little cameo sort of last night against the against the Sharks. But no, it's feeling good and actually increasingly confident that there's going to be at least a, a couple in the the starting twenty three. Steady on there, big man. Matt, are you enjoying it as well? Yeah, one hundred percent. It it has been nice. I, th- I think there has been gradually like a begrudging acceptance from non-Scottish voices uh, as to how good the Scots selected actually are. Um, and obviously Hamish Watson has grabbed a lot of the headlines, but I think Ali Price is displaying like a, a completely new, different level of form um, and is really pushing Conor Murray, who obviously hasn't really played that much. Uh, and then someone like Chris Harris you know, is, has showed even more than just the the sort of solidity that he's known for, um, and you can't really argue with someone like Duhan just like running in tries for for fun. So it, it's been really pleasing, and I've just actually I've enjoyed watching the lines so far. I think the style they're uh, they're showing is is pretty enterprising. Um, you wonder how much Tooney's had a, had a role in that. Yeah, absolutely. It has been an ap- an absolute treat, and I think just on a general, it's just it's really nice to have. I've always been a big fan of the Lions. I know we all have been, but like really to have some proper skin in the game from a Scotland perspective really is really, really pleasing. I mean, working through that group of eight, I think you touched upon most of them there, Matt, but let's start with Ali Price. Obviously, Alan Wynne-Jones goes down in the um, Japan game. Connor Murray's somewhat surprisingly brought in as tour captain. Um, But you've got to say Ali Price is probably... He's played fantastically well in the two games that he's played. Is he giving Gatlin something to think about? Surely, Matt, do you think he's sort of playing himself into that, probably that bench spot for the test team at the moment? Yeah, I think so. It, it realistically is difficult to look beyond Conor Murray in that starting jersey. But once again, I think if Gatlin seems like the kind of guy who, if the captain's not playing well and not deserving his place in the team, then he's not afraid to make the difficult decisions. You, you look back to the 2017 tour and you'll remember in the first test that Omani started ahead of Warburton on the bench when Warburton was obviously the tour captain. So I don't think his chances are completely out the window. Um, it's just been really pleasing with him that he, he's been showing those uh, the sort of the attacking game that he's really well known for the, the snipes and his passes look really, really sharp, but, 
I think particularly against the the Lions, the Sigma Lions, um, his kicking game was absolutely incredible. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Like he put up a few of these absolute class right on the money box kicks that Josh Adams chased really well. And Warburton, who was commentating, I think for the first four, commented on how good the chase was without mentioning the kick. And after the sort of fifth or sixth one, he's, even he started to say, actually, the kicks are really good. We do need to pay attention to that. So once again, I think he's getting some quite nice recognition from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody else, uh, Alan, you touched on him, Hamish Watson. You actually were talking most about his aesthetic rather than his uh, his performances. And I agree. What I like what he's doing is like he's really rolling up his sleeves to be like, actually, my arms are fucking massive, so I'd like you to see those. But um, a lot of people, the big debate, him versus Tom Curry. Twitter was split. If you were English, you thought Tom Curry was amazing last night. If you were Scottish, you thought he wasn't as good as Hamish Watson. How do you analyse his um, his start for the tour? I think it's, it's very difficult because ultimately Tom Curry, you know, taking off sort of Scotland fan hat is like a fantastic player and I actually thought played really well last night. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, Hamish Watson can only do what he, what was within his control. And, you know, looking at the game against the Lions, I think everything that Gatlin would want to see from him in terms of that, especially sort of physicality, both in attack and defence, he probably did some that and more. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of the things where, is there a way that Watson and Curry can both get in that starting back row? It's, it's so difficult because it does feel like they're kind of settled on this almost kind of quasi second row slash six on the blind side, whether it's a Courtney Laws or a Tag Burn. But it feels like to me a little bit like they might be the two sort of potentially sort of standout back row players on the tour. Laws, Laws and Watson. Watson or, and Curry. Or, yeah. Uh, maybe they'll try it out. Um maybe not in this next match, but, but the one after. So I think it is something worth um, giving a shot. But I do think come to the test, I think you're right. I think they're going to play that hybrid role. Um, and I think that Courtney Laws' performances so far have probably cemented that in Gatlin's mind. And even Ty Brown, when he's played, has looked really good as well. Yeah, and it's 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 the issue then with with someone like a Watson, where if he's not in that starting team, does he get on the bench? Because ultimately, there is just other players. Whether it's someone like even like an Ian Henderson or even like a Falatau, who just have potentially a bit more sort of flexibility on where they could slot in in that pack. Watson at eight. I know. I mean, uh, to be fair, is of between Curry and Watson, Curry's the one who's had a lot more time at eight and I actually think when you look at the eight options there isn't probably what Conan's maybe the standard I know Falatar's kind of got the pedigree but Conan probably feels like of the the first three games he'd probably been the best performer versus sort of Falatar and Simmons I think I think if Conan has another big game he'll he'll start there um because I think Falatar has that pedigree but he's not looked as best so far I don't think how much can we draw into particularly these big physical contests from those opening fixtures, particularly the two games in South Africa, which, you know, the Lions have breezed through by 50. Like, can mm. we can we really gauge much performance, particularly up front? I think that's probably the one, almost the one thing that you can 
gauge the most from. You know, ultimately, I think especially sort of the Sharks yesterday didn't have very much when it came to sort of fluidity and attack or, but ultimately they are big lads who can sort of, who will bring a really physical game. That and is same true. As, same as the Lions. So whilst, you know, ultimately they're not at the same level as like the South Africa or actually probably any of the, the home nations during the Six Nations, I think if anything, that's probably where their main strength lies is in that sort of physical kind of abrasive um, area sort of around the rock. I still think they've been pretty disappointing in that respect though as well. Like you think of Watson's try against the Lions, it was all a bit pathetic. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the the sort of expansive style that the Lions have been showing so far, but they can only do that and chuck the offloads because they're getting through that first tackle or they're hitting a, a weak arm rather than a big shoulder. So I, I wonder if against harder opposition you're you're able to to implement that game plan whatsoever. Well, they go again against the Sharks at the weekend due to um, the Bulls match being cancelled because of COVID. But continuing through the Scottish um, the Scottish contingent, why don't we talk about um, Stuart Hogg, obviously brought in to um, captain that first game against the Lions. What have you made of his um, his tour so far? Which I suppose is literally that game. He looked great. I mean, he would have been, he was clearly absolutely buzzing to, to captain the side and it, it was great to see him leading them out. Um, but I think you know, the, the areas that he that are slightly in doubt in his game are, as we've talked about loads of times before, is his defence um, and his high balls. And it was particularly pleasing to see him take a couple of actually very difficult high balls under pressure right at the start. Um, and that seemed to kind of settle him. And I thought his decision making was was excellent from the back he he wasn't trying to force things he ran it when he was on but but shipped it on or or put it to the boot when it when it wasn't um and just even that that moment where he chased down the the lion the sigma lions player granted it was a a flanker but managed to get back make the tackle and and get back on his feet to to win the turnover it that just added to like the overall completeness of the performance um I, i still don't think his perversely just because there's so much talent and competition in the back three his test spot is secured yet because I think if Liam Williams has a, a big game where he deals a lot of high balls um, and, and is solid defensively then I, I still think it is a kind of almost maybe 60-14 Hogs favour but still maybe even a 50-50 so I'm, I'm hoping that another big game from Hog though can can tip the scales in his favour Hogg needed to change the narrative, though. It's all been going downhill for him over the last sort of couple of weeks with uh, That's true. With being on the bench for Exeter. And I think if he put in like an absolute dud of a performance, just would have sort of compounded, compounded everything. But I think now that, you know, ultimately, obviously, I'm sure this has absolutely zero impact on, on Gatlin. But I think sort of generally his the fact that he took a lot of high balls, was strong in defence. You know, everyone knows that he can attack and everyone knows he can kick. But those are the two areas where there's been, you know, rightly question marks about him for the last, you know, sort of six, seven years. And I think the fact that he sort of stepped up and did that just sort of kind of cut any of that, any sort of like negative media about him sort of off. Yeah, I'm trying to think. He probably does have the best narrative available of the 15 options. I suppose Elliot Daly's narrative could be quite good, but 15 to be out of position. So, yeah, Hog, if you're picking Hogs, purely on narrative, it's probably Hoggy. Hogg's done two tours, never had the test spot, you know, 
He's got to he's got to get the test spot for the for his third year because he's probably not going to make the next one. I know he's what twenty nine. Yeah. But potentially, maybe with his style of game, maybe getting to the next lines at thirty three is a, a bit of a push. That's probably true. I suppose, yeah, the, the, there's a real redemption from getting that sort of freak elbow in the eye in New Zealand from Conor Murray to then sort of, you know, returning. Oh, lovely stuff. Well, Hoggy's had a good start. Finn, he's like from a guy who's obviously usually the center of attention. I suppose perhaps you could call his performance a little bit quiet against, um, against the Lions early in the week. Yeah, pro- probably. Um, but, but I didn't mind that, actually. I thought he, he's tried things, but I think he tried things when they were on. It was almost like the right decision, just maybe the execution wasn't that great. Um, and I think he did a few sort of slightly wilder-looking things, but under um, penalty advantage. I think and, the only time I thought, oh, God, was when he threw that pass, that slightly off pass sort of underneath the, their own sticks, essentially. Yeah. Which did really think- go to hand and... Yeah. I think we had an advantage then, a Lions yeah. advantage. But, but anyway, but I, I think overall he's not been trying to force it too much. And I think that he's done a pretty good job so far of playing within the system that, that Gatlin and Townsend etc. want to play. It, it must have been difficult for him lining up with, well, on, on his left, Ali Price, or you know, on his inside, Ali Price, who he's very comfortable with, but, but Owen Farrell, who he obviously hasn't played with and is a very different player to him, um, and I actually thought that the the combination in bits against the Sigma Lions, there, there were some like quite nice little signs of, of potential, but but overall probably didn't quite work. So I think that that slightly takes the shine off his performance. But I, I think overall he was he was he was solid. I don't think he sort of did too much wrong. It's maybe just not quite clicking for him yet. But I just think the, the games themselves have sort of become increasingly disjointed. Um, and, and sometimes for the guys at, at sort of nine or ten to have that much control for a full eighty has been quite difficult. Yeah, I think even you know last night when Finn came on, you know clearly it was sort of getting to the end of the game and there were sort of changes happening, but it was just so disjointed. It was you know pretty hard for him to sort of take any sort of level of control over over the the last sort of fifteen twenty minutes. And I actually thought he sort of didn't have particularly great. Um, great time on the great time on the pitch but no I think I guess the the difficulty with with Finn is I think Bigger just isn't that hot seat and unless Bigger has a real sort of dud of a performance it just feels like ultimately Bigger's going to have that starting spot and then Farrell gives you again sort of more options on the bench so more likely to to bring him on because he can cover sort of 10 and 12 whereas Whilst obviously Finn has played twelve previously, you know, really I think there's the only ch- only chance of him playing for the Lions is going to be in that ten jersey. Yeah. So he starts or he doesn't. He doesn't play. Yeah, I think he's got a little bit of the Watson about him, where it's either you start or you're not in the twenty three. Which is annoying as well because I I, I don't I think Far- Farrell's a bit better last night, but I still don't think he's played as well as Bigger or or Finn, um, and he's probably actually made more mistakes than than Finn, but. I, I can see the the reasoning for him being selected with his with his goal kicking and his you know experience of having been there and done it before. It was interesting. So because Farrell was kicking ahead of Finn, I wonder if uh, I, I wonder what 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 
the decision process was for that. I wonder if they just look at like their percentages over the last sort of two years, or whether there is some sort of conversation in training about who's gonna who's gonna kick. Yeah, that would be quite an interesting conversation if it was between Finn and Farrell. So I can see sort of both of them putting their foot down. Um, yeah, I guess the yeah, issue with Finn is he doesn't. Because I actually think Finn's un kicking from um, the tee is underrated. But one of his issues as well is he doesn't kick at club level. Yeah. But yeah, I imagine they both probably wanted to kick. And well, I guess Farrell. As I reckon Farrell would just make a bigger deal of it. And Finn would just be like, all right, fuck it. If you want it, like, if you want it that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, come on, in, just here, here for a good time, lads. Yeah. A quick, a quick Google shows that in 2020, so needs needs to be updated, but at, at the international level, Finn's goal kicking was 81%. Um, and Farrell, not great Farrell, for an international Yeah, but Farrell's was only 79. Oh, get it up, you Faz. Greg Laidlaw was 84. Come on. Bring in the special teams. Good bit of half-assed sort of internet research there. Enjoyed that a yeah, lot. Yeah, I I the source is just a kind of generic website called Rock. So, well, I think, I think if actually if our, if our brand is anything, it is half-assed internet research. I think that's very yeah. much what we're trying to aim for. Um, well, from one person that you think is either going to start or not, to one guy that's maybe sort of looking like he's got a very good chance, Rory Sutherland is looking to the manner born to Lions rugby looks fit as hell. He's really abrasive and um, looks to be, looks to be sort of um, in with a shout for a test, um, a test Jersey. What do you reckon on? I never like to make real definitive calls when it comes to loose head props. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have read, some commentary about how Mako's struggling and how, and to be fair, Wing Jones doesn't seem to to have done too much on the tour. And Rory's, you know, been strong in the scrum and had his little run in the loose yesterday. So it feels like there's a chance. But um, look, I think it's uh, I don't know. I, I I can't I can't bring too much insight into the old loose loose head competition. I think. I I think that there's not many players. There's hardly any players who might have played themselves out of the test already. But I, I in my view, Mako Vunapula might have played himself out on the back of yesterday just because the scrum was all over the shop and it did seem to mainly be down to him. Um, and I think you can... I thought he was okay in the loose, but but he's always going to be good in the loose. It's, it's the, the scrummaging that's the, maybe the concern with him. Um, yeah. I was worried whether Xander was going to get any sort of heat for the, yeah. for the scrum yesterday. But then you looked at well, the, the scrum penalties that I saw that the Lions conceded <laughs> were basically all when Vunapola basically fell on his face. And if you looked at the other side of the scrum, you know, maybe Xander wasn't getting um, the upper hand on his opposite man, but he, he was still in a decent enough position. He was still on his feet, at least. Um, I think maybe he did concede one or two penalties. Um, I guess with I guess with anything, uh, Xander's performances have kind of passed without comment, almost in sort of like the not 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 amazing, not terrible sort of bracket. Possibly not a bad place to be two games into the tour, but I think he's done well. But he's not sort of had, I suppose, if you look at Watson, um, 
Harris, who will come on to Price, who, you know, we've already talked about, they've sort of really, I guess, stepped up and people have been talking about, yo, yeah, they've really sort of hit the Lions um, expectation running. Whereas Xander, I think he's performed well, but he seems to be passing largely without comment in, I guess, the sort of the wider media. Um, I don't know if that's good or a bad thing. I think there is there is a sense that that three jersey is fairly well sewn up with Furlong and probably a Sinclair who seems to be getting back to to a bit of form. Um, so maybe maybe that's the main reason why I agree. I don't I don't think he's done anything poorly. Um, I, I don't maybe against the Sigma Lions he didn't look that great and he he conceded a turnover off one of his carries, but he came on with sort of the last ten minutes when the game was a bit done and dusted and, and a bit all over the shop. So it, it, it does feel though slightly that that's his big chance, really, this game. And he's not going to get many more chances to stake his claim. Yeah, there's not, there, isn't, there, isn't, there just isn't that many games. And who knows how many of them are going to be cancelled between now and the, uh, and the test series in reality. Um, leave it on a normal tour. I think there was only going to be three games yeah. left. Yep. So it's just such a short tour that unless you're sort of coming in as the favourite or you get, you know, a couple of games, the first kind of maybe the first game and the third game and you're really sort of red hot, it's really hard to sort of make your way up the ladder, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But I mean, talking of making their way up the ladder, should we talk Duhan? Little hat trick last night. Um, got one against Japan. Um, I guess is the only factor is that you know Josh Adams is sort of like just about outscoring him whenever they play. But Duhan's certainly putting himself in the conversation for that back three, wouldn't you say, Matt? Yeah, he's he's been pretty fast, particularly in attack. He's he's just shown everyone what what particularly Scottish fans knew he could do. Um, he's finished uh, very well. I thought particularly his second try last night um, when he got on the end of the Farrell kick and, and sort of towed it forward to score. Maybe showed a bit more finesse than people expect from him. Um, and just whenever he gets the ball, even if he's not scoring, he's, he's making metres. Um, I still don't think he's actually been used quite enough sort of coming up through the midfield. But yeah, he's taken his chances ball in hand very well. Um, I, I still think there are, I, I don't want to focus on the negative too much, but there are still question marks about his defence. Um, and I, I think so far on the tour, definitely before yesterday, he had missed the most tackles um, at an individual level. He missed four tackles in that Japan game alone, um, and maybe was he was maybe at fault for the Sharks try yesterday. I think it was a it was a difficult one where he kind of had to make a decision, and he actually made quite a good tackle, but the guy managed to get it away. But Elliot Daly, who was on his inside, was probably had that man and he probably could have drifted. Um, and I think that's that's the only, maybe the, the major reason that he might not get in the test squad because someone like Josh Adams, I think, is seen as a very well-rounded player whose defence is good, whose kicking is good and can play fullback as well. So his, his posi- positioning sense is very good as well. Um, and, and once again, Duhan can only play on the wing. I guess going back to the, the similar logic that we had with Stuart Hogg, which is everyone knows he can do the, the, the attacking stuff. Everyone knows he can do the kicking stuff. It's, it's really the sort of defensive and, and high balls that he needs to sort of really just kind of prove that he's got that in terms of kind of the, the style that Slavka will play. I guess with Duhan, 
everyone kind of knows you can do the attacking stuff. And it's kind of that defensive side that he needs to improve. And it, it doesn't feel like that has particularly improved since sort of, I guess, the last sort of year or what he's played for Scotland. And I wonder if, to your point, kind of a mix of just that defensive fragility, especially if he's... I don't know, who would he be up against? Probably Mpimpe or, um, or Colby. Colby, yeah. Colby. Uh, probably not as strong as the rest of them under the high ball. And then just that ability to really only play the wing. I just wonder whether it just ends up sort of pushing him out of the, the 23, even though he has been pretty sweet, to be fair, for the, in the two games he's played. I think he'll he'll score in every game he plays on the tour whenever he gets a chance. Like he might even yeah. end up top try scorer. But, but I think in these like fifty pointers, when it breaks up, it yeah. like it's like manna from heaven for guys like him and Josh Adams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, also, I can't believe I, I generally think there's a, a good chance that Josh Adams doesn't start, and he's got eight tries. <laughs> so yeah, it'd, just, it'd be interesting to see kind of what Watson and Liam Williams are like because they've just been. You know, clearly they were so strong for Gatland in New Zealand and are both sort of coming in off some pretty like hot form, just haven't had the chance to kind of really do it for the Lions yet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just a slight segue, but man, imagine being a Worcester Warriors fan right now and seeing like Rory Sutherland Doohan coming down. You'd be absolutely, you'd be absolutely delighted. I'd be like, this is great, but it's not what we need. Why have we spent all this money? <laughs> They're going to be away in international duty the whole time. Yeah. it's And Sutherland gets injured quite a lot. Yeah. And Duhan, to your point, is when it's like a 50-point game, Duhan is great and loves it. But there has been a lot, especially at club level, there's been a lot of kind of like, of those really tight games against kind of the big, big opposition where he has gone a little bit missing. And ultimately, Wooster aren't being anyone by 50 points. <laughs> like <laughs> just how it, I I honestly think they're two of the most like baffling signings. Uh, but we're still have done that before. Like they signed Rico Gear and they signed Chris Latham at a time when that was wild when they signed Latham. They, they didn't need like not what they needed. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But yeah, I mean, fair play. Real, probably both on like minimum three hundred k, having a real nice life in Worcester. Can't really, can't really knock it. Well, you can't, you can't knock it. And also, I guess like the SRU, like I guess the business model of the SRU is right now like you've got to 
put your money like quite smart. And if somebody's offering you that much money, because I think like Worcester have bought Rory Sutherland out of his contract as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, they've taken some cash up front for that. So is that a hundred percent? Cause my, my only thought process was it potentially Worcester came in for Rory Sutherland and given that Edinburgh do already have quite a lot, have a bit of depth at loose head and are potentially, you know, they ask you in general under kind of a lot of financial pressure. I wondered whether they were like, you know what, maybe we just get Rory Sutherland off the books and it gives us a little bit more flexibility around trying to kind of get um, another back in. Yeah, maybe. But you tell me Dodson's turning down a sweet transfer fee. <laughs> I mean, if it was on offer, I'm assuming Dodson kind of extracted as much value as he could. But um, Dodson, yeah. Dodson bought my house in Worcester. I just can't believe, I just really <laughs> struggle to believe that Worcester are paying like a 200 grand transfer fee for Rory Sutherland. I just can't, just seems like a very strange, strange thing to do. Um, Stranger things have happened. But no, good good for him, I'd say. No, it's, no. It's, bad, it's, it's not great for Edinburgh. I think, you know, I think Doohan's probably a bigger loss in terms of sort of strike threat and points added to Edinburgh. Because as we say, they're pretty stacked in the front row. Um, but yeah, all, all the best, Rory. I mean, done. It's a massive what? tangent, but it just sort of this is why I get really confused as to why Aroni Sau has been let go because he because he's actually playing for Fiji this weekend against New Zealand. Yeah, but he was sort of the the player who, when Duhan was away, was sort of that wing that could like come off there, um, come into sort of the midfield and absolutely sort of like smash it up and was kind of like always making meters and and yeah. Edinburgh got hit rid of him and Duhan, which just sort of leaves the cupboard a little bit bare. Usually, usually I would be like, there must be something like, he must be like a bad bloke or, you know, he's, there's an issue with him in camp. But he won players player of the season. Like everyone's obviously like, Aroni Sow's great. Let's, let's keep this guy. So maybe, obviously maybe, something's maybe, gone awry. Or maybe Provence were just like, we're going to double your salary. There is that. And Provence... I've actually never been, but I know it's a very nice wine region. So yeah, maybe he wants to go and just drink a lot of rosé in Provence. Um, going going back to Sutherland, sorry. Cockrell said at the end of December that he had, last December, that he had 18 months left in his contract. So that would imply a transfer fee has been paid. It, it, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> It gives the possibility, but ultimately, if, if oh, sorry. Edinburgh... Yeah, sorry, I'm not saying, but it, it confirms that he had time left in his contract, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the most like uh, uh, animated I've heard you on the pod for a wee while. Rory Sutherland's contract terms. Shit, maybe you should be like a... You could be like an agent for these guys. That would be fairly beast, to be fair. Maybe I could just like one man band, but only have Chris Dean as my my client. So just take him a whole time, just trying to get Chris Dean sort of like minor deals with like Noko. Chris Dean deserves a payday in the south of France. Get the get the prince, get the prince a payday. I think that should be your your uh, our next big campaign. I I did see that um, Edinburgh are relaunching their player sponsorships. We going again. Well, we, I feel we, like we're still owed one. <laughs> we, we never got to go to the dinner. Yeah. 
And we not Edinburgh Rugby. Edinburgh Rugby, you have my details. Please get in touch about um, how that's going to be made out to us. And I, I thought it was kind of unspoken agreement that we were the sponsor in sort of perpetuity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, not. it's like you know when the like um, Birmingham City like retired Jude Bellingham's jersey. Like they've retired the sponsorship of Christine to us. <laughs> like, it would be if Edinburgh retired the number twelve for Christine when he left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that'd be absolutely amazing well speaking of senses there is one scottish player that we haven't talked about yet as we've gone down our various rabbit holes um chris harris um started the game against the sigma lions um there seems to be some issue with robbie henshaw bit of an injury bit of something going on there what have you made of harris's contributions obviously that first chip kick for the reset damage try was lovely Big Al, can you see him uh, troubling a Lions test jersey? I think he's definitely in the mix. And I think 13 is is one of the the spots that's most up for grabs. And I, 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 For some reason, I keep finding myself thinking, <laughs> thinking in, a, in a line with Hugo Monnier that Elliot Daly might start at 13, which I know might trigger Matt. Um, but I, I do think that it's sort of between Harris, Henshaw and Daly. And I think a little bit depending on who plays 10 and 12 and, and how they want to play and, and what the sort of composition of that bench is. I do think that it's, it's, it's quite wide open. I, I, and I do think that Harris put up a, did put up his hand pretty well in terms of, you know, not only did he do kind of all the defensive stuff, but he attacked really well. He's clearly the sort of, um, was sort of on page with sort of Finn and like I think him and him and Aki, it's a really solid centre pairing. If that's if that's the sort of style you want to go with, and I don't know, it's I, I just can't get this idea that Daly is going to start at thirteen. You've got a Daly theory that that allows um, a different makeup on the bench, haven't you? If you have Daly in your team, it allows you to do a six a six two split. So if Daly starts at thirteen, it allows you to have say Price and Farrell on the bench and gives you six forwards because daily can then ultimately then cover 13 through to 15. So that does give you that massive level of flexibility. And also to be fair to daily, when he has played for the lions, he has looked pretty good on the counter argument is, is that daily has looked really terrible for England <laughs> all year. And he hasn't played 13 in like five years, right? Yeah, I think he's played a little bit for Saracens in the championship, hasn't he? Yeah, but who cares? (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, Look, I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen, but... I'm I'm triggered because you've convinced me that it is going to happen and we're really pissed off. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, I could just see a sort of Murray, Bigger, Aki, Daly... um, sort of 9 to 13 and then yeah with Price Price and Farrell taking up sort of 22 and 23 so who'd be playing is it 13 for South Africa would be um, um yeah um, yeah or Dale Endy and they, Dale Endy at 12 with Am at 13 would they not just like laugh at Elliot Daly and I send mean, people down his channel potentially I guess so I mean I guess ultimately that's why you've got Aki in there though to sort of help out as well and I guess Dale Andy is the is more of a sort of um, 
crash ball runner than than Am. Yeah. So you'd like you'd probably just try and tell Aki to to focus on making sure he kind of gets Dale Andy down, and then just sort of you know allow da- hope that Daly sort of um, manages to kind of control Am in the wide channels. But no, look, I agree. I still think that ultimately Henshaw's got to be. I think Henshaw, yeah. It's the favourite, just given how strong his form was for Ireland and also for for Leinster. And I think this goes back to your point, you know, we've sort of then shifted away from Harris, but ultimately Harris has, has definitely only improved his case by how he played against the Lions. I just think it's that, that number 13 role, I just have zero idea who they're going for. Feels increasingly likely that Aki at 12? Um, I, I think Henshaw is guaranteed to start and I kind of feel like he could play at 12 they could slot him in quite nicely um, so, so I think if they play daily then I think you play Henshaw potentially it's not the most inspiring of midfields although daily on his on his on form is quite an exciting player let's not talk too much about English players but Let's keep that to an absolute bare yeah. minimum. Well, that is the um, that's the sort of run through the state of play of the um, the Lions and how the Scots are getting on the fixtures as they stand. And can't stress enough that the impact that COVID is having on the tour it's going to be pretty fleet of foot. And hopefully, we do get to the Test series. Uh, the Lions are playing the Sharks again on Saturday evening. Then South Africa A um, middle of next week, and then the Stormers. Uh, next weekend before the first test on the 24th of July. But there has been some home soil Scottish news, couple of big name departures, obviously Roy Sutherland to Worcester, which we just touched upon in the Lions. But the saga of Hugh Jones has finally come to a conclusion. And it looks like a pretty happy conclusion. Obviously, he was due to be heading to Bayonne in the top 14 in the south of France. They got relegated. He's activated a relegation clause and he's ended up at Premiership Champions Harlequins. Matt, that is a pretty good result for Hugh Jones. Yeah, I mean, to go from... Bayon, who even when he was joining them, it wasn't like they were sort of even mid-table in the top 14. They were down at the bottom, struggling, and no one really had heard of them or what they were about. And to, to now end up at Quinns, who've had this amazing run of form and that incredible win in the in the Premiership final. And clearly, with, we've got a new head coach now in Tabai Matson, who is extremely highly rated, um, the amount of like exciting young players that they've got uh, in the, throughout the squad who are now getting their England caps, like it, it's clearly a really exciting place to be. And obviously, Hugh Jones's style, which is where his strengths are in attack, seemed to fit into that Quinn's team and that Quinn's style of play, like an absolute glove. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem like a match made in heaven. And I suppose he'll be competing for the 13 jersey. Presumably he's looking to play outside centre with um, Jordan Turner Hall. How do you reckon he'll get on with that? <laughs> with who? Jordan Not Turner Jordan Hall. Turner Hall, who's in the coaching us. staff for Harlequins. <laughs> who do I mean? Joe Marchant. I mean Joe Marchant. Yes. Sorry, I was thinking. <laughs> Joe Marchant, obviously. Um, how do you think he'll get on with that? I mean, I I think that Marchant's form has been so good in the last 18 months to two years, helped out by that stint he had 
with with the Blues in in New Zealand that I think it would be very difficult to displace him. I think that Hugh Jones probably his still his favorite position is thirteen, but Quinns have just lost Mike Brown, who's gone to to Newcastle. So maybe they're actually thinking of him more as a fifteen. And then I wouldn't be surprised to see Marching getting called up to a few England squads. So maybe that's the the time for Jones to to step up it. You know, providing he's not in the in the Scotland squad, which I think he's he's still very much in the in the selection uh, frame for. Well, good for Hugh. We will keep a very close eye on that. Another bit of Scottish news: Under twenties cap and um, sevens player Carl Rhodes has been announced today, heading off to London Irish. Matt, you seem that again seems like a pretty decent a decent move for him. It, it does. It's. Um, you know, my, my initial reaction was as a guy, I think he's been in the Scotland seven squad recently to, to go from that to a premiership contract is absolutely class. And like, however he's swung that, you know, fair play to his agent. Um, and I think that London Irish are a club who in recent years, they've invested quite a lot in the squad and they're probably on the up. So it's, it's a good time to be joining them. Um, but the, the other reaction I suppose is why couldn't you get a gig in, in Scotland? Um, I mean, if you look at maybe Glasgow, their back three options are pretty um, saturated at the moment. But at Edinburgh, they've just lost Duhan, just lost Sao. Um, and I don't think of really signed that outlet guy from Bristol, who I'm not convinced by. And you kind of think that it's a young Scottish guy who's clearly shown enough for London Irish to be interested it's a bit of a shame that he hasn't got a, a, a shot for Edinburgh at least. I think he did actually play at the end of last season and by all accounts in, in a kind of, in a, in a pro 14 game actually coming off the bench and, and by all accounts did pretty well. So uh, it, it's a bit strange in, in that sense. It is a bit of a funny one, but we will keep a keen eye on him uh, down there, only 23 years old. So plenty still to come from uh, Kyle Rowe. Um, Finley Christie, once fated as the great hope um, of Scottish number nines, changed his um, Instagram um, description to a Scotland flag about six months ago, getting everybody very, very excited that he was coming north, has now been capped for the All Blacks. So I guess, Alan, as somebody with relatively close ties to New Zealand, how are you feeling about that? I mean, I think there's, I've seen a few um, pieces of commentary saying, you know, oh, it's fine, you know, we didn't really need him, our, our scrum half depth is, is strong enough. And I think, yes, we do have a lot of depth at scrum half, but ultimately, Finlay Christie would have made that a lot stronger. And I think actually, for Scotland in general, it's, it, and it's actually quite a big, a big loss. You know, ultimately... Finley Christie is the youngest scrum half starting for any of the Super Rugby teams. So, and ultimately, you know, at twenty-five, starting for the Blues and being on the bench for the All Blacks. So, you think he was on the was he on the bench last week? He's on the bench again this week. Yeah. You know, he if he moved to Scotland, it potentially one hundred percent would be at least on the bench for Scotland. I would think. I don't think he'd be ahead of Price, but he would be on the bench and would bring something a little bit different to that to that team. So, no, I think it's a bit disappointing, but look, ultimately, clearly, he sort of flirted with it sort of during COVID, moved from to the Blues, and as I said, because he's now, he's Aaron Smith's like 32, TJ's about turn 30, 
there clearly is like a bit of an opportunity to try and kind of be that scrum half for New Zealand, or at least kind of build up quite a lot of kind of game time. So there you go. Fair play to the man. Peebles born, betrayed his, portrayed the land of his birth, but that's fine. He absolutely has done. He's probably offered like pretty sweet little setup, flat in stock bridge by Edinburgh, and then they had to go and get Ben Velicott instead. <laughs> Wouldn't have been that dream. You know, it's hard to turn down. I don't know how he's done it. I know. Just, just a walking weekend in Peebles, go back and see the family home. You know, we'd have had a lovely time. Peebles Hydro, nice little spa day he could have done. Like Finlay. It's, you hate you do hate to see someone betraying their motherland like that. It's no, it's no grief there. No grief. It's, well, it's actually yeah, probably it is the second best hydro in Scotland. I would have thought. <laughs> um, I, is there any more? I don't know. I don't know. Let's not go down the, the hydro rabbit hole. Um, next up on the canter through the news, let's start with the Scotland national team. The match that they were due to be playing against Romania um, this weekend. Is it this weekend or next weekend? This weekend. It was this weekend. Uh, yeah, we were meant to be going to Bucharest for my stag do, but I had to get had to get moved around. Um, so that's been cancelled because of outbreaks of COVID in the Scotland camp, which also claimed the scalp of the Scotland A game against England. Um, it's a bit of a shame that it looks like I suppose the Georgia game is still a little bit of a question mark over it as well. It's a bit of a shame that that wider pool of Scotland talent is not going to get a bit of a run out, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I was I was keen to see the likes of your Rufus McLean's and, and Ross Thompson getting that run out because they've they've very much deserved it and it feels like that next generation coming through and, and even the likes of uh you know seeing Rory Hutchinson and Matt Scott and two Paluto in the centres, for instance, you know, that, that would have been really exciting. Um so I don't know, it's kind of got a like spare thought for those guys. It's a real shame. Um it it seems to have kind of just like ripped through so quickly considering or it's it's been pretty virulent because it seems that there's quite a lot of players unavailable for the game against Scotland against England A, and then going from quite quickly it went from being in this training bubble to the whole squad self isolating, which I haven't really heard too much uh, of that happening too many times over the last year or so. When when there have been COVID cases, it seems to be more isolated than that. So. Yeah, whatever whatever's happened, like clearly not been under control at all. Yeah, I guess once it gets into a bubble, it um it gets into a bubble and it's pretty difficult to um to look at. Cases on the up in Tbilisi is um, my half arsed internet research into Georgian um Georgian COVID as well. Um was there is there a second test against South Africa going ahead? No. No. But, but that's because... That's South Africa uh, rather than Georgia, yeah. isn't it? Georgia had cases as well. Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did, yeah. sir. It's, it's just, was, it's just everywhere was, at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. There was kind of chat about the Lions potentially taking over that match, which could have been quite good. The Lions playing Georgia? Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, but then I think now that they got the cases, they've yeah, decided yeah. to make it the, du- the double header of either the shot. <laughs> the one everyone was asking for. Yeah, after like a seat, 1872 couple over again. Well, that's the thing. It could could the Scotland players would be like, "Look, lads, we've done this all year. We've played the same game over and over again we forever. How, we know how to develop the right mindset for that." Exactly. And then finally, just on the away from the Scotland national team, we'll wait to hear news on whether that Georgia game does indeed go ahead. 
But the Scotland under 20s are um, currently bubbled down in Cardiff, um, playing their under 20s Six Nations. And, well, it is not going well. Um, they uh, got absolutely humped by Italy. Um, and then they were on the end of um, what looked to be another pumping yesterday, which is slightly curtailed by the France getting a red card. But it does seem that this crop of under 20s is. Um, is a little bit below par with their, I guess, with their peer group around the Six Nations. Matt, what do you reckon is going on? Yeah, I, I was, I was getting a, a bit suspicious of all the, the kind of panic around it, and thought we're actually not maybe as bad at under twenty as we think. Because if if you look at the results last year, um, when the the tournament sort of got like split up because of COVID, but we. Yep. We, we did okay against Ireland away, only lost by eight points. We only lost to England at home by four points. We beat Italy away. We only lost to, to France at home by a score. And then if you remember, we absolutely pumped um, Wales. I do. It was the last, like, the last, perf- yeah. last game of rugby before COVID, wasn't it? Nathan Chamberlain was threatening to, to be a kind of exciting running uh, 10 for him. Um, <laughs> before that was stamped out of him by Edinburgh yeah, Rugby. That, Duncan Hodge was like, you know that stuff you're doing in the twenties that will not fly here. Yeah, exactly. Pack it in. <laughs> um, and then I think I was reading that it's it's a very young under twenties team that we've got this year. So I think like eighteen of the thirty two in the squad can play next year. And I, I think you okay. can see that. Like they they look, it, it to me it looks like they're straight out of school by rugby almost. Like they don't look. Some of the French lads they were playing against were an absolute joke. But I think they just, they don't look conditioned enough. They don't look, um, that the skill level just doesn't look quite at the races yet. And I think that a bit more sort of higher level rugby under their belts would, would help in that regard. Um, but yeah, for sure. The, the results have been really disappointing. I think particularly that, that under 18, uh, so the, the um, Italy game being defeated by that much. And then, you know, Sean Lanine afterwards saying, you know, I, I don't think we showed that we cared enough is a pretty damning assessment. Um, and I think that Italy actually do have an increasingly good record at age group against Scotland. So, the, you know, there are definitely some concerns there, but I think it is being slightly overblown. Um, but just watch, watching a bit of the France game yesterday, it was, it was as I say, the, the conditioning, you, you could tell, you know, it was, it was miles apart. But, but even the, the Scottish basic skill levels, the, the passing in the backs was just put, putting everyone under so much pressure um so it 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 does feel as if maybe this 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 intake isn't quite as strong as in previous years always nice to see teddy leather barrow on the team sheet though and on the score sheet yesterday as well the barrow what's his but what was the older barrow isn't there two barrows i think there's only one leather barrow isn't there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. I, I just remember there used to be an under-20 leather barrel, but maybe this is the same one. I just got confused. Or maybe the leather barrel was under... There's probably that many leather barrels, right? It's a very, famous, a very famous Scottish family, the leather barrels, obviously. Do you not well, remember? I was going to say, I mean, if they're not brothers, it'd be a very strange coincidence. There is actually an Ollie leather barrel as well. Yeah. I there's, knew a there was Scott, there's a Scott leather barrel who plays English rugby league for Workington Town as well so maybe I, I don't know if, if anybody knows what sort of legacy the leather barrows have got it's um yeah tell you the leather barrows um the one from sale is the one we're talking about right i think so yeah yeah 
But he scored at the weekend, and it's a fucking great name. So well done to you, Teddy. More power to you, son. Worried um, about these Italian youngsters coming through. It's been like a couple of good years of under-20s. Yeah. Like quite, quite worrying. <laughs> I'm not ready to go back to losing to Italy quite regularly in the Six Nations. No, not at all. <laughs> not ready to go back to those dark places. <laughs> I'm used to having that sort of slight weekend off of anxiety in the Six yeah. Nations. Ben- Benetton winning the, the Rainbow Cup as well. It's, signs aren't good. Well, that's it. Well, we're going to get to, we're going to get to see. Imagine that. That's the hottest ticket in town to see the Rainbow Cup champions in a pre-season fixture for Edinburgh. Can Unreal. you imagine? Genuinely, sign me, sign me up. Yeah, it's going to be yeah first big match. Hopefully, post-COVID place full, absolute full pumping. It's going to be unbelievable. unbelievable. It's fair, actually. I can't. Re- it might actually be full, to be fair. <laughs> They've sold three thousand over three thousand season tickets. Yeah, yeah, which is almost half capacity. I know. Could be really good. It does look good, to be fair. It does look really, really good. And like, I know we like making fun of Edinburgh rugby, but yeah, fair play on that. That is quite good. But it's, like, it's a little bit, you know, like if you're supporting Scottish sport, and on the day that Edinburgh, like we've got Benetton coming, Rangers are like, right, we've got Real Madrid. Anyone interested? It's kind of like a different, it's a different ballpark. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that is fair, but also like Rangers sometimes have like Ross County. So, you know, it's... they quite regularly have Ross County. <laughs> <laughs> is, Ross, is Ross County that much different from Zebra, from Edinburgh Zebra? That's what I'm saying. I think, you know, I think regularly Rangers and Edinburgh probably have sort of, are bringing sort of similar styles. Yeah. It's got a better fixture list, Edinburgh Rangers on, on a, a domestic, on a domestic season. Probably Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely more, definitely more glamorous. Yeah, you've got decent European rugby most of the time as well. Mm. Well, that's a l- true. A lot of the well, maybe a lot of the Welsh destinations aren't exactly glamorous. Like, no one's taking their girlfriend on like a long weekend to Newport or Gwent, for that matter. <laughs> Don't really understand where either of those places are, really. So yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> let's, not, let's not get into it. Sorry, lads. Do you want to cause any trouble? I do have a very quick quiz. Yes, yes. Is this this is is this the one on the SRU strategy? It's absolutely not one on the SRU strategy. That would be (laughs) even you couldn't couldn't do a quiz on it because it doesn't say anything. Exactly. It's like there is there is actually like no sort of specific content. It's all just sort of like really nice sort of words and um, phrase word. The whole thing is word soup and like infographics and nice photos of community rugby. Yeah, I mean, it is really nice, to be fair. It's a nice document. I'm sure, you know, someone had a really nice time putting that together. Yeah, that's what I like, is that the, like, the first meeting Dodson had was with the design department. He's actually bypassed the sort of, like, business strategy team. He's just like, right, this has got to look great, guys. <laughs> More pictures is my brief. And then but, we'll work around that. But I thought I'd do sort of a, a very sort of um, on-brand lines one and say... Obviously, excluding the 2021 tour, there has been 19 Scotsmen either initially picked the Lions or called up during the Lions in the 21st century. So this is excluding 2021. So you've got Australia 01, New Zealand 05, South Africa 09, Australia 2013, New Zealand 2017. And you've got... 19. 19. All right. Right. Dave, you can go first. Little known player called Stuart Hogg. Hoggy, and he's got he's one of three players to have two in the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. 
You've only got to go from 2001 onwards, haven't you? No. Well, Tom's back. What I like to do is just bank the early ones, Matt. <laughs> what did you say, Matt? Tom Smith. Tom Smith. Did have two, but not in the 21st century. Um, oh, Finn sorry. Sorry, I was thinking from um, 2001. Yeah, it is in the 21st century. He played in 2001. Yeah, but his second one was in 97. So he was, he, for the purposes of the quiz, yes, your answer is correct, Matt. Yes. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Finn Russell called up in the Geography 6. Correct. Uh, Gordon Bullock. Gordon Bullock is one that is correct, and he's had two, both yeah. 01 and 2005. This might work quite well for me if Matt does the oldies, and I just come on, <laughs> I, just, I just focus on the more, my, my short-term memory. <laughs> with Alan Dell, another member of the Geography 6. Correct. Uh, Scott Murray. Scott Murray is correct. Absolutely taking down the 01 tour. Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant, 2013. Simon Taylor. Simon Taylor, 01 tour and 05. Richie Gray. Richie Gray, 2013. Um, Chris Cusseter yeah 2005 Ewan Murray and uh, Ewan Murray two th- our first 2009 uh, Mike Blair and our second 2009 That's That's we're absolutely clean, cleaning up we've got I'm going to tell you we've got one two three four five six seven players left Nathan Hines? Nathan Hines is correct. 09. Uh, Ross Ford. And we've cleaned out 09. Ross Ford is correct. Have we still got more in 05? Um, I'll give you... So we've got one in 01, one in 05, one in 2013, and two in 2017. Oh. Um, Andy Nichol? Oh, buddy, Andy Nickel, oh, one. <laughs> Thank you very much. How many in 05, sorry? One, one in 05, one in 2013, two in 2017. Oh, that's really annoying. Um, Richie Gray. Already what said. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry, God. sorry, sorry. Um, Sean Maitland. Sean Maitland is the last 2013. Nice. Um, so we've got what one from 05 left, one from 05 and two from 2017. Oh, two from 2017. Um, oh, I've got the 2017, the 05 is killing me. So, Dave, you've got five five seconds to call 2017 is really fucking annoying me. Um, oh, Greg Laidlaw, Greg Laidlaw is correct, Matt, uh, Tommy Seymour. Tommy Seymour. So we've got 18. And 05 must have oh, been... I've got it. I've got it. First, first call up. First person to call up gets it. Jason White. Oh. <laughs> you heard me say it first. <laughs> I think I Dave got it. That is, you heard me say it first. I said it twice. That's really? I heard, you, I heard you say Jason. And then, you know, <laughs> I needed a full name. Just because you're on first name terms with, the, with him doesn't, was, that doesn't get you anything. The white was cut out by the shite technology. <laughs> Look, take that up with your broadband provider. That is not that's not, not my issue. Taking up with Zoom. 
Well, look. Very good. Very, very, very good. Well, then you can get, seeing as let's say it's a draw, who's the one Scottish player to have played against the Lions? Who's Jim Hansen? Jim, uh, yeah. Oh, who's also played for the Lions? <laughs> well, he's done both. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Give us a clue. Um, I'm, I think I'm actually lying. I thought it was Alan Dell, but I think I might have just made this up. <laughs> That's nonsense. He didn't, did he? <laughs> WPNL was on the bench against the Lions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but no, true. Just, just let's just ignore it's it. It's a, it's a nice draw. I need to go and have I've got an aubergine lasagna waiting for me. So, oh, the very picture of a modern man. Well, we'll let Alan go and enjoy that. That sounds very, very good. Um, just before we go, um, a quick reminder that you can get your copy of This Is Everest. It is the story of the 1997 Lions Tour. It's an absolute belter. Um, on Polaris Publishing, we'll put the link in the show notes to this and check out our social media. We're going to be dropping another um, little extract from that book onto our newsletter this weekend as well. That's This Is Your Everest, the story of the 1997 Lions Tour on Polaris Publishing. Get it there. Follow us on Twitter. Leave us a review. um, And we will be back with you soon enough. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.